welcome to Beckett Talks, the podcast series from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we will be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. Today for Beckett Talks podcast, we're joined by Andy Cunningham, a Masters by Research student in the Carnegie School of Sport. Thanks for joining us today, Andy. Please, can you tell us about your research? Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So uh, my research is on the aesthetics of the wilderness experience and how it impacts on people's outlook on life and their philosophies. So what I've been by that is when we view vast landscapes or we go out and visit them, um, there's this tinge of terror that uh, many people, or researchers and many romanticists call the sublime. So it's this wow factor where you're viewing these landscapes and you feel insignificant, a bit smaller, and it overwhelms you. It feels powerful. It's a natural feeling that we, we quite can't understand until our body uh, goes through our mind. We think a bit ontologically. We think a bit how we want to live or who we want to be or why we exist on this earth. And so there's lots of positive things that come from that. It's never a negative feeling of being insignificant. It's, there's links to mental health and it being positive. It humbles you. There's this link to transcendence, which is a bit disputed at the moment, but it links to things where you have anecdotal evidence about Jesus or Buddha becoming enlightened or finding God in the wilderness. It's these, you can see the parallels where it comes from, whether or not you're religious or anything. I'm not religious, but you can see how it begins to think ontologically these questions about life, which in everyday environments you're too busy to do and you don't have the opportunity. So my research not only looks at what's going on it also looks at why we're not valuing it as much as we should if this has links to mental health and links to positive attitudes and all these things we consider good why in our uk traditional society are we not pushing for these environments why do we view the outdoors differently compared to say other countries where norway or north america they have a bigger appreciation for these types of instances so my research focuses on everything to do with that, the wow factor, the awe, the sublime. Where did your inspiration for this research come from? So I, well, I didn't have the greatest background in terms of money or financing, so my access to the outdoors was quite limited when I was young. So I always lived in the city, I was always um, surrounded by grey buildings, poor weather, rain and everything. It was only the small trips that I got out to the dales with the scouts that really honed my appreciation for the outdoors and being out up in the dales where there's just moorland and moorland you know it was just this factor I was like wow and then as I grew older um, I put more money and time into going to the outdoors and really developing these sort of wow moments I remember being stuck towards like going to the dales or going up to the lakes on a bus and being strapped to the window just staring out at the mountains in the, the forest that seemed to go on forever and so it was this personal attachment to seeing okay this is incredible. There must be something about this that, you know, people should appreciate. And then I'd go back home and I'd only meet select people who had had these opportunities and said, yes, it's really, really lovely. But it seems more like a holiday than it does seem more like a valued piece of culture, as I say. Did you take or do you take any inspiration from books and films about Escape to the Wilderness? When I was younger, I didn't really read or watch any films. I appreciate them more now. However, I took my inspiration again from those trips out to the dales or to the lakes where I there's ones that were few and far between and it made me value them a lot more also hearing older tales so sitting in the pub when I was younger obviously not drinking but um 
just hanging around with people who did go out and hearing all the stories that were passed between each other of the days out when they were on the moor and it was pouring down with rain, but they came back and felt elated and amazing. And then again, I see now people dedicate their lives to doing this. So they, they'll go and do the PCT in America, which takes six months to do, or they'll go live in a van, just chasing these moments of being up on the mountains or being in a big forest and just feeling euphoric and you know, humbled and calm and meditative and just chasing these moments because there is this appreciation. And sitting in the city and hearing these stories from older gentlemen or, um, you know, people who've gone out and do the expeditions in the Alps or the, even uh, the Himalayas, just hearing that was just incredible because it, it, the relationship was developed and then I just I got attached and hooked, essentially. Does your research have any links to the concept of awe and nature, which poets like um, like Wordsworth, for example, referenced in the work? Yeah, so when we look at Byron or Wordsworth or Shelley, these are in a period of history in UK, which was called uh, the Romanticism period or Romantics. So as I look at my research and I cross-reference it to other countries, I can see why the UK sort of had to battle for this appreciation. Um, during the time when we were moving into cities because of the Industrial Revolution and British, the British Empire was growing and we had to fuel that empire, we became more scientific, we became more objective. We wanted to look at the science behind things and why things work, or mechanics to improve this, this build-up. And people, people who were stuck in these rooms and sat in these cities were dreaming of these landscapes where you could be free and wild and you could roam and do whatever you wanted and appreciate these landscapes where it does make you think, wow, I love this. And so it wasn't quite political, but you could see where this contrast is coming coming from. And this contrast did uh, push the research in that area. So we have uh, Edmund Burke or we have uh, Immanuel Kant who described what beauty was and the aesthetics and took a scientific approach to it. However, some people do argue that almost ruined it by putting science to the romantics. So my research does have links to that. You can see where the UK eventually took the imperial uh, uh, empire route and we started to cultivate the, all of the land of the UK and you know completely try and reap its benefits in a sense more objectively rather than letting it be for its own worth. So those key figures are pioneers in pushing this direction I'd say so I have a lot to thank for. Carnegie School of Sport at Leeds Beckett University is one of the largest providers of sport in UK higher education. Recently investing £45 million in a new home for sport, the new building provides world-class sporting facilities and also acts as a hub for elite athletes, sports and industry partners. With courses in sport, exercise and health sciences, physical education, sports management and sports coaching, the school takes an interdisciplinary approach to teaching and research enabling the students to graduate with the skills needed to succeed in an evolving sport and physical activity industry. So, if any of these subjects interest you, go to leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash CSOS for more information. You spent a large amount of time in the Scottish wilderness as part of your research. Please, can you um, tell us about that experience? For my research, I had to do some data collection, and for me, taking inspiration from Norway's Freelers Live, which is has a lot more emphasis on the aesthetic experience. I went up to Scotland, and I went to the Torridon Fisherfield area, where 
known as the last wilderness in the UK, essentially, so the untouched. Although they are touched, they are the least touched anyway. So it's a big mountainous area, it's quite vast. You're about 10 miles away from anyone. You're all alone. Um, and so what I did was I ditched my phone, I just went out there with no objectives, just to sit and to feed myself and just to admire the environment. I took a lot of photos and I also wrote in a journal just my thoughts and feelings of what was occurring during this time. Um, I was completely alone for the two weeks and how does that impact my mind? Two moments that really stand out to me or two impacts or the aesthetic qualities was the silence, the complete, there is nothing. All you can hear is the wind and the waterfalls. And when there's no wind and you're not near a waterfall, it is completely silent. The, there's a hidden truth in silence. It's quite surreal. You're, you can hear the blood pumping in your ears and your mind tries to focus on something and it's just incomprehensible. But it reveals to you an almost a meditative and humbling uh, quality to it. So to be able to sit in the silence and be completely comfortable, you can't escape it as well when you're out there. You want to shuffle around and make some noise, but eventually you definitely have to sit and just listen to nothing. And when you have the vast landscape in front of you or, you know, just the wilderness, it's very eye-opening and very, I can't remember the word, but it changes your mind for sure. And the other moment I do take was camping up upon a ridge and it was the sunset and I could see the colours across the sky, I could see the whole of Scotland. You know, as I say it now, I'm showing my appreciation for it and I'm sure people who have been in those moments can relate to it. It is a very elating and philosophical feeling. It's, I, I often term in my research the ineffable. It's really hard to come across in words because it is this ontological feeling of just you feel one with the earth, you don't know where your fingers in your mountain begins. It's uh, very, it's hard to come across in words. But those are the two moments which I'd say, yeah, are good. What did you learn which you can share with people that might impact them in their everyday lives? So coming back from this experience, especially it being a solo experience, things that I did bring home were the appreciation for relationships as well. In the absence of them, I felt my relationships bonded stronger. Those, the people who I meet on the street or those that I've already had friendships with or intimate relationships or anything, things become a lot, not because I was scared of losing them, but you had time to reflect on them. And I suppose in the aesthetic qualities that I would bring home, is take the time to feel small occasionally. It only takes a few moments of thinking to realize how small you really are. And it, so, for example, I take the tree, the tree that you see outside your window, the big oak or the big beech or whatever the British trees you've got. They've been there longer than you have and they'll probably be there longer than you will be. So it only takes a couple of thoughts to realize that tree has seen every weather it's been thrown at it. It has seen every timeless political movement that's been you know, um, applied to our society. So it's this tree has stood the time and it is essentially, it makes you feel a bit smaller. You know, you think, well, why am I bothering with this, this and this, if this tree can grow tall and break, stand still and strong. And then the weather again, the wind and the rain, it completely beats our UK coast and everywhere, the mountain areas, even in the city, it's completely, you know, you feel it's miserable, but really, have you been out in it yet? You know, you sit inside and you watch it. But if you go outside for a minute and think how powerful 
nature is and just it makes you feel terrified but at the same time you're safe you're in the environment where you can dash inside if it gets too cold so this appreciation for just feeling insignificant or being uncontrolled in nature I'd say if you're uncontrolled in a city environment that's when you can get anxieties and the sort of mental health issues that we associate nowadays but the natural environment there's the the green space or the biophilia which is a completely different shift and it's a positive experience and that's what my research is stemming at and that's what I'd like to bring home because being out in the wilderness completely away from the urban environment what I took back and now want to seek more in the city and I want to apply it to everybody that I meet. Do you have any future similar expeditions planned? Because of my research it's a bit of a fallacy that I write about the outdoors however I've got 30,000 words to write and so most of my time I do sit at a desk. I do take my weekends out so I go out, and I go out on hikes on the weekends or I go climbing so some outdoor based activity. It doesn't, I don't have to achieve anything that's not what I'm there for. I'm there again to just appreciate everything and what nature has given us or what there's left of the UK's nature. When I do leave, I hope to go on one of the big stints, do maybe no longer than two weeks, do a month long experience, maybe not just camping, but maybe a hiking trail, which I can take nice and slow. Just figure out the small and tiny places that we haven't visited yet in the UK that we should appreciate more because yeah, it's always hidden in something that is never around us in the urban environment. Did you take pictures when you were out on your Scottish um, expedition? And if so, where can people have a look at those? Yeah, so I took plenty of pictures. I took over a thousand photos. Um, some of them are good, some of them are bad. At the moment, I, I am quite socially uh, absent on the internet. It seems to be a privacy thing that I like to enjoy. However, when I publish my research, I'd like to create a link in which everybody can view my photos so that they can associate with the research a bit more. I do, however, don't say you should live vicariously through me. I think you should go out and take your own photos as well. So taking the time to take a photo shows that you are trying to find these instances where, you know, things do look beautiful or sublime or do make you think differently. And so rather than looking at my photos and saying, oh, yeah, they're good, maybe go out and take your own. And finally, do you have an, an idea, an insight now where, you, where your research will will lead to and what your kind of conclusions will be? The research is quite absent on this. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence. So we see it in films and we see it in books. Um, but in terms of research, it's quite sparse, I'd say, to other, a lot of other areas of research. So I'm hoping that publishing this would be an opportunity for people actually to take some value from it. You know, the end goal, I suppose, would be to have a complete value change in the UK. We do not just give back to nature for biodiversity or any other objective things. We give it for the sake of it being an aesthetically beautiful place, which does inspire others and makes you, you know, euphoric and happy and all these qualities. So I'm hoping I do lead to a PhD. I've had opportunities already or networking for people to suggesting even abroad, you know, we like this research and we want to see where it will go. I'd like it to be public, but I'd like adventure courses to focus more on the aesthetic qualities than just the objectives. Because we see in the UK, it is a lot more about leadership or team building or how many mountains you've climbed or how far you've walked and what time you got. There's, you know, there's a lot of time we can use to sit down and it'd be beneficial, if not more, than the physical fitness side and the social media side that we all see.
So I'm hoping this value does rejuvenate through my research or provides an opportunity for people to see and get an idea and keep it going. The Beckett Talk podcasts are released every Tuesday. So don't forget to check our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to find out more details on our next episode. See you next week.